Okay, let's do 20. Yeah. Sing. Oh, we can't. Okay. No, I, I did it too early. All right, That's 30. Let's fault. do 30. Let's do 30. Time to breathe. Sink. Sink. <laughs> uh, I was like, that's a bit quick on the draw, but let's go. <laughs> let's go. Let's do it. Oh. I was like, what? I like refused to give myself a countdown. What was that about? <laughs> Tinkerbell. And was it the secret of the never? Beast? The legend, I believe, of the never beast. I believe the it's the legend. Beast. We already had a secret, right? One That's true. We got the secret of the wings, the worst one. And uh, spoilers: this one might be the best one. I was so happy that everything that I've heard over the last seven years about this movie has been completely true. It's just it's baffling to me because we watched so many of them; they were all bad. They were like, all to, to different variables of bad, but like this one was like a genuinely like kind of a good movie. <laughs> I, this went down like m- like the smoothest glass of cold water. I like blinked and I was over and I was like, wow. Welcome to Direct-to-Video. VHS? VHS? A podcast where we pair movies like Fine Line. Finally, we are at the end of the fairy, uh, the Disney fairy movies. The, the final After story in the Tinkerbell saga. <laughs> the funny thing about this one is it doesn't i mean it's a great it's, it's a good movie which is wild but it doesn't like wrap anything up that no this was not meant to be like the last movie and this is clearly them still trying to do the thing they tried to do in, in the pirate fairy which is like expand it beyond tinkerbell yeah yeah we we this is a movie this is all about fawn this should have been called mm-hmm. fawn and the legend of the never beast because tinkerbell isn't even in this movie She's little in this movie. She's more in this movie than the other fairies who aren't fawn. Except for except for the newly introduced, extremely lesbian-coded fairies. Have you ever seen like one of those old Sherlock Holmes movies? Or or the Poir- or the Poirot TV series from like the 80s? There's always a person in those episodes or in those movies who comes in at about minute. 30 minute 45 who's like i have the missing piece of of evidence that you needed to understand this case sherlock holmes here it is that is the function that tinkerbell serves in this movie (laughs) it kind of is i forgot literally the worst part of the movie is what tinkerbell does i saw that bit and i was like this is this is a bit this was not this was not not only is this not necessary, that this, <laughs> this didn't need to happen, but also it makes no sense. <laughs> Weird that that tree disappeared. Yeah, or or why didn't he just, why did he just let the tree fall on him? He would have been fine. Or why didn't he just like intercept that lightning bolt like he was doing with all the other lightning bolts? This is the equivalent of me being like, oh my god, this child is about to get hit by a car. I'm going to shoot him with this gun (laughs) (laughs) and hope that it gets him out of the way. (laughs) But we've gotten ahead of ourselves. We have. We have. Um, The Never Beast movie actually opens with a poem 
Is it the poem? I wasn't sure. Is there an actual poem? Oh, I because there's there's a there's like an actual poem right in Peter Pan. I if it is, then I can forgive the the one thing about this poem that made me weirdly mad. At the end of it, it says. It says, uh, something awakes. And I was like, why are they being coy? Say the Never Beast wakes? It, it, it made me weirdly annoyed, because I was like, I already know it's the Never Beast. I clicked on this movie. It's called The Legend of the Never Beast. This is me already trying to pick apart stuff in this fairly good movie. Anyway, get, like, the overhead of the, the like, flyby shots of, of Neverland and this comet and a sleeping monster that wakes up. Boom. Smash cut. It's Fawn the Fairy. She, in the the newest um, fan theory, causes the fairy apocalypse via hawk. I think I think this is this is the th- second the third second time right. This is the second time that a movie has decided that well, if Tinkerbell isn't going to be the main character, we need to turn one of these characters into Tinkerbell. We are we are incapable of. Of writing a story that does not involve the destabilization of fairy society. As I was watching it, I like fucking dealt with the fact that that was kind of annoying because it was maybe the best version of the these movies that we've gotten. But it was odd because like I don't know that much about Fawn as a character, but I don't think she's a giant fuck up. Yeah, I, I, it to me, right? It's it's one of those things where and Tinkerbell says as much. Like mischief didn't exist until Tinkerbell was born. Like, <laughs> like the the idea of counterculture didn't exist until Tinkerbell was born, and so maybe maybe it's her rubbing off on all these other fairies. She's teaching them how to be troublesome, but it's weird to to get so much characterization for this character who we've seen for five movies, and just now we're learning that she has a habit of caring for dangerous creatures. Some would say that. She she has like a compendium of incredible beasts and knows where to find them. We're not saying that, but someone could. It's weird because we've only ever seen fun with, I feel like, finches and rabbits. Just like normal, normal little beasties for fairies to mm-hmm. hang out with. We did. Did we? I, I feel like we kind of got ahead of the jump here, though, because we, we did the, the comet based prophecy. I do. I love a good comet-based prophecy. I think comets are like great. They're like a great astrological time, uh, timekeep. They're a great astrological time. Yeah. Like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um. But like, I don't know. Like Haley's comet and like Haley-type comets. I I love the idea of like, oh, we keep time using these comets, and they are on a scale of like hundreds of years, right? As opposed to mm-hmm. days, which I think is pretty rad. Uh, the problem is, is that I could not find a comet that had a period, uh, a period of over two hundred years. I mean, here's the problem: even if there was, the only way to determine it would be to to use some high level math to figure out when it would come by again. Because we don't have that many surviving texts from, I think, with this comet nine hundred years ago. I mean, we have some, but they're not all, like, astrological. And even if they were, there would have to be somebody who was looking at comets, marking that down, and then 900 years later, somebody else would have to Yeah, at, in the same place. I just, 900 years is so long, right? Like, And there is a bit where that's really hammered home. Yeah, right. No, absolutely. They definitely use it to the full <laughs> effect, but I feel like they could have made it 100 years, right? Like, 100 years. It could be, they, this could have been Haley's Comet, which is, I think, like, 80 years? 
75? I'm not sure. Sure, somewhere around around that. Um, I'm looking it up. 75 to 76 years. Okay. So we're both right. Which Which would be, you know, a human lifetime. And by extension, I think... A fairy lifetime? This is the thing, right? <laughs> is what what is one, how does time work on Neverland? Does time does time pass on Neverland at the same time as on human land? Or <sighs> is it slower or is it faster? What's fairy lifespan like? I mean, if one is born every time a baby laughs, that's like a lot of fairies. I would assume they'd have to be dying at about the, f- the same rate the f- as humans, but first, who knows? The first time a fairy. Uh, a child. The first time a baby left, sure. So, geez, yeah, no, this is, it feels like it must be a one-to-one, but it's impossible to tell. The the problem is magic doesn't let me know. They have magic. Yeah, and also, like, I think in the Disneyfied version of Neverland, people don't age. Do fairies still age? Obviously, there are older fairies and younger fairies, but like... Clearly, they die out at some point, right? Because if... if, Otherwise, this wouldn't be a problem. It would just be, we'll see you in 900 years, buddy. Yeah, yeah. Clearly, they die out because there's a lot of reasons why it's obvious they die out, but... Yeah, and also, also, at some point, the great mass fairy extinction happens and Tinkerbell becomes the only one left, which, like, without even bringing that up. Right, sure. Anyway... So, she the, this secret hawk causes widespread panic. Yeah, um, it's cute. It's a cute hawk, uh, but it's a hawk, and these are fairies who are small enough to be eaten by hawks. They do at one point quote Star Wars at me, which I thought was a little offensive. Uh, yeah, this is, was this before the, I don't know, the bi- that's what I was wondering. <laughs> Whether this was before Disney acquired Star Wars. Or if this is like right then, and one of their first things they did was have a very safe fly casual. God, that was in 2012, so that was two years, this was two years after. I mean, I would think it's wild that they got this joke in during the production of this movie, and then also didn't know that their studio was about to get shut down forever. (laughs) (laughs) So there's a couple things with this hawk scene. Everybody freaks out, because what happens is the baby hawk starts screaming, and crying for its mother, and a bunch of, like, adult hawks come in, because they're like, ah, a baby hawk in trouble. Armchair screenwriter here. Three hawks is a bit much. You could have just made it one. You could have just had it be its mom. Yeah, that'd be fair. I also feel like three hawks, like, you never see three hawks together, right? That's too many hawks. I think the most I've ever seen is two, and they're usually either fighting each other or doing other things. Right, like, you only see two hawks together if they're, like, nesting. To make it PG. Three, just, it's company, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you could have done a Land Before Time here, right? Just had two parent hawks show up, and that's fine. I don't know why three would had to be the number. I don't know. They were having fun with it. Yeah, it was a lot. There was a bear cub, and this bear cub it irritates the hell out of me for multiple reasons. Shouldn't fear the hawks. Yes, number one. Most important reason. However, there's a second reason. Why are hawks dangerous? Mm. But, but not. bears are. It's, it's a bear. It's this. This bear is going to grow up and eat fairies. It has to. He's right? gonna get bigger. But what if he's on he's our gonna, side? He's gonna. He's gonna need that protein. <laughs> is that the is is that the goal? Is the idea like, well, we'll have a bear on our side. How does a bear to defend us from the hawks? Well, they have fish, right? Like, 
Maybe. It's also a brown bear, which means it's going to be fucking massive. We're introduced to Nyx and the Scouts. This is our, this is, this is a new class of fairy. They are exceptionally lesbian. And cops. And cops. And here's the thing. Kind of bad at being cops. I was going to say kind of bad at being both of those things, but I mean, I'm sure they're, they're great at being lesbians. <laughs> I would hope, I would hope they are. Or they're not, and it's the the sexual tension at, like, the s- scout hut is, like, through the roof. Well, there's something between Nyx and Fawn. Every look they're- they have is a significant look. Like, they have so much history. <laughs> I hate everything about this. The implication of, like, having a, we- a soldier squad of fairies gives me... I get what they're... They're trying to do rangers, right? Yeah, yeah. This is supposed to be a Strider character. It's not working. No. It's not working. She just... What what Nyx ends up being... Nyx is the cop in the small town who's pulled over Fawn one too many times. Like, right, yes. That is their relationship. Except for the fact that they do genuinely like seem into each other sometimes. And yeah. I don't know if that's a fairy thing, if it's just like... If it's something that's really easy to read into because there are mostly female characters in the fairy movies. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely think that has something to do with it. Or if it's just that, like, these people did want to write a story like that and weren't allowed. I mean, that's fairly obvious because there was the movie where everybody had to get into a heterosexual relationship immediately at the end. All those characters, by the way gone every single one of those male characters has absolutely been gutted from this film do you know the best part about that too is they actually go to winter again and so there was a reason to see some of the winter fairies and they're just not there they're not there also they're also just i was going to bring this up at the time but i might as well bring it up now they've solved the problem of their wings freezing in winterland i guess I guess. Yeah, I think they're supposed to be putting frost on them, but they seem like they're just ignoring it. We've invented coats. We figured it out. (laughs) But they're flying. Like, their wings are out. Like, this shouldn't be allowed. This is the first movie that that seems like it's willing to, like, break canon to make itself work. And and I think I know part of the reason why, which is, like, this is, like, an entirely new team of writer-directors, right? Is that what's happening? Well, yeah, the the director of this movie is some guy named Steve Loder, who the only other thing he's done is he directed a ton of Disney TV shows. Kim Possible, Buzz Lightyear of Star Command, Tarzan, uh, the TV series. Um, way back when he was like a director for Ren and Stimpy. Like, but th- this is the first time he has touched the Disney fairies property. Uh, and it seems like him and his co-writer were just like, let's throw it all out. That was probably for the best. Again, it's this is the one that works. I think the fairy movies were being bogged down by their own lore. Well, it's the first one to me that worked since the first one, right? Because right. it does maybe the second one. It does something that the first and second one do that I kind of missed, which is it just starts throwing proper nouns at you. <laughs> and and it just doesn't care. Like these are the scout fairies and this is the never beast and <laughs> This comet comes around every 900 years, and I'm just like, oh my god, like, what? That kind of haphazard, like, it, and it's for babies, right? Like, the the 10-year-old girl who watched the original Tinkerbell movie isn't watching this movie. Her little sister is. Right. 
Although if that girl sits down and is like, well, I guess I'll watch this movie with you, she's going to be like, damn, this is a fucking deep movie about this never based. Oh my God, this movie's intense. There is a bit that is legitimately straight out of a Guillermo del Toro movie. (laughs) (laughs) And that movie is Hellboy. Yes, yes. (laughs) We'll get there. Uh, So the scouts chase off all the hawks and capture the baby one. And Fawn gets a kind of fun dressing down from the queen where Fawn dresses herself down the whole time. She's like, yeah, I should have done this, I should have done this, I should have done that. And so she decides she's got to turn over a new leaf. Not going to do any dumb forest fairy stuff. What's she, an animal fairy? Whatever. She's an animal fairy. She's not going to do any dumb animal fairy stuff. Then immediately the next day she's like, oh, weird animal sound. I guess I'll go check that out. So we also get the ostensibly what the theme of this movie is supposed to be, which is... You know, don't just listen with your heart. Also listen to your head. <sighs> okay. And I say that because they bring it back at the climax of this film. They and do. I'm just like, okay, so this is what the movie is supposed to be about. I guess. I guess. Here's what this movie is. This movie, at its core, is basically Lilo and Stitch. Now, Lilo and Stitch is a better version of this. I was going to say C-Spot Run, but I guess that strikes the same chord. But yes, that it is... It is a friendship movie and or a person and a dog movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Turner and Hooch. Yes, this movie now is on just Disney Plus. Like Turner and Hooch. Do you think if we started advertising for Disney Plus and maybe swore a little less, they'd be... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> We'd probably do a little bit better on the SEO. Can you fucking believe that they did a Turner and Hooch remake? What the fuck is that? It's a TV show, I think. It, that's even wilder. It is. <laughs> What is so is the first episode just the first movie is just the movie that, that he just becomes friends at the end because I can't imagine they can maintain the tension of not liking your dog partner for like <laughs> an entire season. I don't know. I'm not going to watch it. Not until our spinoff podcast, Tony and Andy and Turner and Hooch. I don't want to ask, but who's going to who? Which of us is Hooch? <laughs> That's you know what we have to decide it at the end of each episode. Ep- episode who the <laughs> <laughs> who the Hooch is this time. Jesus Christ. No. Um, so the primary tension of this movie is between Nix and Fawn, which is also where all the sexual tension is, mm-hmm. um, until I get the introduction of right the third axis of this love triangle. Um, the idea being that Nix only wants to protect Pixie Hollow from all sorts of dangerous things because uh, that's her job. But also Fawn wants to help animals because that's in her nature. And is also her and, job. And is also her job. Frankly... She, if this has been an ongoing problem, she should have some sort of predator protection reserve outside of Fairy Hollow where she can look after, like, injured owls and hawks and shit. I mean, they have a fucking bear in, like, Central Land, in, like, uh, 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 Main Street, Pixie Hollow, right? Like, (laughs) I don't understand why that fairy gets to get away with having a bear and she can't get away with having a baby hawk. I just... I don't know either, Andy. I just, I can't tell you. Maybe it's because bears aren't obligate carnivores and hawks are. The, you know what? That's fair. That bear could survive off of bears. Maybe they give them and enough are berries. primarily pescatarians. So we, we hear an ominous whining roar in the, it coming from the densest of Silent Hill fog. And Fawn naturally thinks, well, 
I got to check this out. Yeah, so she goes in there um, to part of the so the part never mind that we've never seen. It looks like where the hyenas hang out in the Lion King. It's all dead trees, and it my the implication to me is that this a comet landed here because that's what it looks like, right? Like you have all these jagged rocks sticking up and. Uh, and it gave me the impression that like this never beast is like a fallen angel that has dedicated itself to protecting Pixie Hollow from this weird, almost um, Galactus at the end of Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer like storm that comes every 900 years to try and eat it. This is getting more and more Hellboy and we're not even at the <laughs> Hellboy part. We're at the Hellboy part. <laughs> I forgot that Galactus was a storm in that movie. I did not because my brain hates me. <laughs> this movie also ends the exact same way that that movie does. Yeah, but this movie doesn't. <laughs> so the turns out this this giant creature that she finds in a in a big old hovel has a thorn in its paw. Classic mouse and lion stuff, right? Yeah. Here's the thing: that thorn is barely in there. It really is not much. Um, for how intelligent this creature is, I don't understand why it can't pull it out with its teeth. I don't want to belabor this because, like, you have to buy into this to get to the rest of the movie. Whatever. Mm-hmm. It has a prehensile tail that's pretty thin at the end, <laughs> and I feel like it could just pluck it out. Uh, maybe it just doesn't have the 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 like the control that it needs at the very tip, right? Because it it throws that thing around like a whip. You know, yeah, you don't want to like. I feel like there are a million ways this problem could have been solved. But regardless, this chimera beast is just not having a great time with this thorn in its foot. Mm-hmm. It's really getting in the way of its attempt to build these spire these things. These weird spires. The, the never beast, you know what it looks like? It looks like a sky bison from Avatar The Last Airbender. I couldn't say because I have only seen the first two seasons of that show and it just didn't feel right coming from me. But yes. <laughs> well, it does. Trust me. Oh, uh, just to kind of just to, just because I, I was curious and I needed to check real quick. Uh, Silver Surfer was played by Doug Jones in that movie. So there's oh. our, our another Guillermo del Toro connection. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I, I forgot that he was the Silver Surfer. He well, voiced by Lawrence Fishburne, which just got has to feel bad anytime you're in that position, right? I well, I like Lawrence Fishburne. No, just vaguely disappointing for Doug, where he's like he went to all the trouble to play this character. I assume if he was if he was playing this character, that means that that is a lot of practical makeup and not just CGI, and then to get his voice replaced. I think at this point in like movie, like CGI wasn't good enough, right? I would think it was just him wearing like a weird, like silvery makeup, which has to be irritating to just have to do. Right. It must be awful. So yeah, she sort of tricks the Never Beast into standing still enough for her to pull the thorn out. And the Never Beast's reaction to this is kind of great because the Never Beast is an angry old man. The oldest, angriest man. He's like the the old man in the beginning of Up. Before yeah, he's well, he's in the whole friends. movie, Tony. Before he's made any friends. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, he he definitely. I um, thought the old def- man was like left and was replaced by a happier old man. By a happier old man. Uh, 
Rip in peace to Ed Asner, man. I, yeah. Didn't he just pass away? Ah, oh, it sucks. So so this this old beast man beast mm-hmm. takes takes to fawn like uh like a thing that doesn't take to another thing. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to get a good uh comparison, but it's like Fawn, who is our protagonist in this movie, is the annoying sidekick character. Like Sonic and Tails. And <laughs> it's like Sonic and Tails. But where Tails is specifically like your little brother playing Tails. You're like, I'm just trying to play this game. I, I, I desperately want to beat this level. I'm just trying to build the spires so we don't all die. And here you are, chattering about, trying a to draw pictures of me. Getting in the way. I love this little uh, montage. I Once again, the songs are ab- just abysmal, terrible. I think the songs in this movie are a step above the songs in the other movies. And I don't know if it was that I was enjoying this movie a little more. Hard to say. I agree with you, but it is hard to say. Yeah. Um, still still a little too Phil Collins for me. Where they're describing exactly what's happening. What's happening, but... Yeah. There is a great bit, I think just before the song, where she goes to... Where, where Fong goes to like pick up her stuff so she can so she can keep notes on the Never Beast. And she runs into Nyx, who is, who's been investigating the, the roar. Because if there's if there is a ba- if there is a newborn baby predator out there, Nyx is going to find it and murder it in its That's, crib. That seems to be her deal, and it's she's like so fucking aggro in this movie. And as far as I can tell, there has actually never. I think her problem, she has a completely unnecessary job. There. Well, this is, and and this is the problem, right? Is like. If it's here's here's the thing is if it's not in Pixie Hollow, it's not a threat. All right, Nix, focus <laughs> on your jurisdiction. Go beat your husband, girl boss. Like, get out of here. You're just like, it's not your problem. If something roars in fucking Neverland, there were pirates. Yeah, she didn't take care of those pirates. She didn't take care of those. Like, but like, Although, but what if, they but, did seem to do was they took, we'll talk about it later, maybe, they took the horrible thing that the other fairy did, that freaking Doc Ock did, I was like, yeah, now cops are using it. That means it's good. What I like about the scene is I fully expected Fawn to be a worse liar, but instead of lying and saying that she doesn't know, like, what Nyx is talking about when she asks about the Never Beast, she, like, she is obtusely annoying in a way that strikes me that, like, oh, this is just how Nyx always sees her, and she's, like, playing into it. And I kind of loved that. It is. It is very funny. It's. It's great to just see her turn herself up to eleven. Mm-hmm. Um, like I. I can't lie to her because she'll know. So I'm just going to just be unhelpfully helpful. Which isn't to say that Fawn makes good decisions. No, because she's about to go break the number one rule of anthropology. I need you to define this rule for me. You don't interfere. Okay, right. Fair. Star Trek. Yeah, yeah, it's it's the, the the Star Trek thing, right? But and I say anthropology because I don't remember what the name of people who study animals is. Zoologists, I guess. The, but like the number one rule is always uh, don't 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 leave evidence, don't be seen, don't interfere. Let it do its thing. It's difficult with fairies though. Because fairies paint the butterflies for spring. <laughs> 
So, like, what is interfering? <laughs> yeah, at what point is, yeah. Do you think that maybe that there's, like, there's, like, a natural order of Earth that existed pre-fairies, and they've just been bending it to their whim? Maybe. Um, because they can? Who That'd knows? Be fascinating. I, I don't know if we described this well enough. The Never Beast, who she names Gruff, is building these towers for some reason out of rock and spit. To possibly to uh, ascend to heaven. Nobody knows. Maybe. Maybe maybe the Never Beast was cursed by God for daring to build too high. Man, more questions than it answers, huh? Mm Mm-hmm. So she decides to, because now they're friends, she dumps some fairy dust on the rocks so they're easier for him to move. And they get into, like, all these games playing with them. This causes, basically... The Never Beast to catapult a bunch of rocks into Fairy Hollow, which is, for some reason, I mean, yeah, it's bad, obviously. Like, oh, this is this is a very dangerous thing that she did. But the scouts seem to take it as like an attack. Oh, this is this is what they've been waiting for. Like, right? this like, is what monsters in the woods do: is throw rocks at you. So she's like, she realizes she fucked up, and her idea of fixing this, this is also the bit where she continues to make some whack decisions. Her idea of fixing this is to take Gruff into Pixie Hollow. Well, not not before we, we have an exhilarating chase where... Oh, yeah, actually, I almost forgot about this. Because Nyx, Nyx goes up to investigate, sees, you know, boulders and shit around, and chases it into the woods following the broken branches it's leaving behind. Loses it because it jumps off a cliff and uh, question mark, question mark, ends up underneath it somehow. It can use its tail like an opossum tail, and I guess that's what it's doing? Oh, yeah, actually, fun fact, the two species that she names are a common opossum and an extinct species of bison. Okay, I, that's what I suspected. Didelphus marsupialis and bison occidentalis. I looked it up because I needed to know, like, are the writers actually, like, referencing something or are they just doing bullshit? But no, yeah, these are actual things. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense because when they were designing the Never Beast, they probably thought, like, okay, well, what can this thing do? Well, let's do bison and a possum. A bison that can climb. Yeah, and a, yeah, and that, and then a, some other wild stuff. This, Nyx decides to go to the only place she knows where she can learn about weird creatures, the local library. There is an unfortunate scene where this, the nerd fairy is into her. I didn't like it. Yeah, I I hate this nerd fairy. I hate everything he stands for. I don't understand why he's in this movie. This is a, this role could have been filled by a number of other fairies. Hell, it could have been filled by Tinkerbell. Tinkerbell would never be seen reading a book. That's true. She she builds things, breaks things accidentally. That's her deal. It could have been done by Bobble or Bibble or whoever those two were, who yeah, are also maybe. not in this movie, bafflingly. Bobble and Clank, I think. Bobble and Clank. I just, I don't understand why it had to be this nerd fairy who sucks. I do want to mention something really quick when I mention that, like, this scene and these jokes don't land and, and it's not great. Most of this movie has the charm of the early movies again. Like, there are jokes that are landing again. And yes. I feel like it's been so long since we really got some of those. There were some of them in the last movie. But, like, this one, it just felt like it felt like it, these, these movies were good again. It was fun. It was fun. I was smiling the whole time I watched this movie. 
I wasn't miserable. I wasn't confused. <laughs> she discovers this page pinned on this guy's, um, what's it got? A conspiracy board of the, of the picture of the Never Beast, because he's been researching the comet. And she takes it over to the queen, and Fauna's going to go see the queen to introduce her to the Never Beast, so everybody knows it's not dangerous. And so they end up accidentally in a meeting together with the Never Beast hovering outside because, like I was about to say before, she brought the Never Beast. To town. To town! And somehow nobody notices. Not only does nobody notice, but I just, it, it bothers me that her friends helped her do this bad idea. And she didn't just say to the Fairy Queen, there's something in the forest. I think you should see it. It's important. It's not dangerous. Like, Yeah. The Fairy Queen's got wings. I know she don't have any legs, but she's got wings. Yeah, you don't need those to fly. I've, I've seen Gundam. They're only the legs are only for aesthetic purposes anyway. The meet this meeting is possibly the closest these movies have to like becoming a thriller. <laughs> you know, this thing this massive creature is hanging around outside and the the queen and Nick's are discussing like how how it's terrible, how it's going to bring about the apocalypse. Yes. So this is important. This creature's going to bring about the apocalypse. <laughs> Yeah, it's 972 years ago, this same comet flew by. I Again, weird, specific number. This comet flew by, and apparently there was someone around and decided to write this down. With it came this never beast, and it, it built these four spires, one in every season, and then using that, it summoned a massive green storm that it used to destroy all of Pixie Hollow. Yes, here's the thing. There are no words with this. This is just from pictures that Nix has found. There's a correlation causation problem here, uh, mm-hmm. which I think uh, an astute viewer can spot pretty much immediately. And, and now this is the problem with uh, with cops or a, any militarized force, right? <laughs> They'll twist any narrative to suit the use of force that they want to have, right? Once you give an inch, they take a mile, invent a myriad of other bad things that are needed to maintain that level of martial law. This militarized faction is the beginning <laughs> of the end of Pixie Hollow, right? Like, they're just going to take more and more and more until eventually, you know, it's a, just a dystopic fascist state. She does have a porcupine quill that she uses to fight, though. Yeah, she does. It's it's super lame. I don't understand why they don't just have spears. Like, the, there are scout fairies with bows and arrows, mm-hmm. with uh, with bolas. Yep. But most of them have these dumb little porcupine quills. Like, tie it to a stick, make it a spear, or put a handle on it and make it a sword. Why is it just a quill? They're not even barbed, which would have been something. They're probably dangerous to wield while they're barbed. Harpoons. Yeah, if your primary job is hunting predators, harpoons are right there. Yeah, work wearing those bows. I kept on looking at those bows thinking, what are they going to do with those? And the answer is mostly shoot their own stuff so it spews uh, gas everywhere. Or powder. Oh, they also have tear gas. I forgot about that. Basically do. So, (laughs) I lost myself a little bit there. So anyway, Fawn is creating her own problems by bringing the Never Beast in. She has to really try to hedge what Nyx is saying and she's like... Animals don't do this. This isn't an animal thing. Animals don't create storms that destroy stuff. And it's just like, this one does. This is what fair. Yeah, this is a thing that fairies do. The thing that irritates me is that the queen could have said, could have done some leading here and said what she wanted. But she just tells both of them that she trusts them. And so Nyx is like, got it. 
time to go on for never beasts. This is the ultimate delegation I have ever seen. <laughs> She's such a fucking politician here, which is weird because at this point she should just be the leader. <laughs> well, I, I I like the idea that like no matter what happens, she can say that it was her idea. <laughs> right? This and, is how she maintains power. And it wasn't her idea. Yeah. Oh, you misunderstood me. This is some fucking Jedi shit, right? Like this is some Yoda shit. Where you could just say whatever, like, mystic, crappy, vague thing you want, and then later be like, mm, yes, my plan this was. Like, no, it wasn't. You didn't plan shit. If we get hate mail, there's <laughs> going to be more about the Yoda thing than the cop thing. If anybody is defending Yoda at this point, I think, like, this isn't like baby Groku, who we all love. This is Yoda. Okay, but be careful when you're talking about the person who is most likely Grogu's canonical father. <laughs> Are you serious? So what, Palpatine and Yoda fuck now? <laughs> I'm a little serious. Grogu is 50 years old. What? That's how long this like this species stays a baby, because they grow to be so old. Yoda's like oh 900, right? Oh, I guess that's true. So Grogu was like at the Jedi Temple at one point. He had, he had to be. He, like, he was trained at he, some point as a baby. Had to be. He had to be in the room. Right? When Anakin murdered all those kids. <laughs> or was spirited away. I don't know. <laughs> but yes, basically. You maybe, did you, did you ever, you know how at the beginning of Justice League where all the uh, Amazons are like trying to keep the mother box away from the, the guy? You think and it's like a really fun. Do you think the Jedi teens did that with Grogu while Anakin was just taking him down? Protect the most precious one. <laughs> <laughs> the youngest and oldest of us. Protect Grogu, he's the wisest. He's the wisest. <laughs> so there is a great line that I wanted to highlight. And then never be sneezes. And Rosetta says, oh, gross, my mouth was open. And, <laughs> and then Vidya's like, it's always open. <laughs> <laughs> oh, such a cutthroat line. At some point, they allowed Vidya to be savage again. And I'm here for it. I wish Vidya had more to do in this movie. Yeah, she just comes in with the lines occasionally. Like, there, there isn't enough of her and Tinkerbell in this movie that we get that, like, juicy interaction that I want them to have. Mm-hmm. Fawn explains this legend to the rest of, of the group, and they're like, hey, listen, if there is even a 1% possibility <laughs> that this legend is true... I'm a little mad at them for immediately buying into this legend, but I have to... The only other legend I've heard about was completely true. Right? It was 100% accurate, down to the direction. Like. <laughs> yes, none of the directions were to find the broken ship. So, like, I get it. So, the, the plan that Fawn has, then, is I'm just going to move him. I'm going to take him somewhere where he can't hurt anybody. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that means. Is there, like, maybe, like... Maybe is she going to take him to, like... Get our get it off the island i don't know what the plan is take it to the fucking human world like (laughs) yeah that'll be safe for everybody (laughs) now we get to we get this movie gets to end like jurassic park 2 yeah no i don't know what she plans for it but it doesn't matter because because he's not listening he's going to build more towers yeah his job isn't done and he's behind schedule yeah, he is. He's, he spends too much time hanging around with this fairy. She's been slowing him down. 
And now the cloud, the green clouds are blowing in, just like in the legend. It's bad. He's got to build those towers for some reason, probably to uh, get the energy from the green cloud so he can turn evil and kill everybody. Yeah, I assume that that's why he's doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I'm mad. You know, what? I'll say it later. <laughs> Keep going. Yeah, yeah. We'll have plenty of time. There's a whole scene dedicated to this thing. I know exactly what you're talking about. So the fawn wakes up. He's gone. She goes to look for him. Tinkerbell. I don't remember what the confluence of events is, but she is end up, ends up uh, confronting fawn. Like, hey, everybody's going inside because of the coming storm. And Tinkerbell's like, where's fawn? So she goes to get fawn. Fawn's like, I lost the never beast. <laughs> I lost him. I can't find him. We, uh, there are only two places he can be. He's either in winter or fall because he hasn't built his towers there yet. This is only going off of the, uh, the legend of the legend, but he was building towers. So it's a good guess. Well, and all, I love that Tinkerbell brings up here. Oh, so now you believe the legend, <laughs> right? And Fawn's like, I, mm, I uh, no, we don't like, have much to go on. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> the, I don't know if you've noticed, but the sky is green. All right. There's a lot <laughs> happening. <laughs> Can we not gotcha media me right now? Can we just... <laughs> yeah, what are you, Tinkerbell Fox News? Come on, we have a never beast to find. <laughs> so Tinkerbell decides to go take Winter, I assume because her sister's there. She doesn't I mean, say that. That is the the implication that is not said. I love that her sister, Periwinkle, is not even mentioned. You know who else isn't mentioned? Or we don't even see him. We don't even get a wink and a nod to... Terrence? Is that what Stable is? Terrence. Terrence is gone. It took... He, uh, wait, wait. He was introduced... He, he was in the... The second movie was the first one where, where he's big. But then yeah. ever since then, we have gotten, like, less and less Terrence as we go on. So it's, what, been three movies? He's petering he's, out of existence. <laughs> hey, ha ha ha, petering out. <laughs> um... Making room, making room for for what we all know is going to happen, which is Tinkerbell's going to, you know, date uh, Vidya. I mean, it'd kind of be nice, right? They have chemistry. They have chemistry. Then Tinkerbell fucking died. Oh, right. Yes, because uh, she she finds the Never Beast uh, and he kills her. He's got all green eyes now and it freaks her out and he whacks her with her tail and she's left unconscious in the winter. Yeah, Fawns arrive. Fawns, Fawns. Fawn arrives just in time to see the Never Beast leaving the crime scene. The Fawn shows up, punches Tinkerbell, and she's fine. I don't think that that's what we should be teaching kids. I I don't know how fairy anatomy works. I don't know what, (laughs) what. Maybe that's their, that's what CPR is for fairies, right? Like, your heart beats fast enough, just give it a punch, and if that doesn't work, yeah, you know, what can you do? They're like hummingbirds. Nyx is, like, chasing down the Never Beast, but she gets sidetracked because she has to present Tinkerbell and save a life. She's so fucking mad about this. She's furious. Like, I don't know what she was gonna do with her tiny, stupid little fucking quill. Yeah, uh, she's just gonna put it into his foot. (laughs) Like, he can fly now, it's not a problem. Oh, that's true, he got his wings. Oh, and he got struck by the lightning, right? Yes, he got struck by the lightning. The horns grow in so cool. The horns, this is the first bit where I was like, huh, this is like Hellboy. Because he has the... Have you seen Hellboy? Yes. Not the new one, but yeah. Yeah, the original one is is what I was talking about. I'm sure they do something like it in the new one, too, because it's right from the comics. 
Mm-hmm. There is a bit where he is, I don't remember if he's actually like in hell or if it's just like uh, his like most real self or something. But there is a bit where his horns are grown in, curved backwards, and there's a glowing crown above it. The Never Beast looks literally exactly like that. Like, he looks like a yes. demon child, and it's pretty rad. It's so cool. I don't know where this this design came from, because he's got bat wings. He's got these massive horns. It's awesome. It's like it's so somebody, good. it's like when they started making this movie, they were like, hey, do you know that this isn't getting, this isn't getting like the little boys. Could we get the little boys into this? Could we get like... I don't know, a big demon monster? <laughs> we're we're gonna sell we're gonna sell a never beast action figure. I bet that action figure would look oh, really cool. Let me look it up. Uh Never Beast Toys. Oh wow, this is adorable. Now I gotta see it. Oh, th- this is just a little guy. Oh, that is adorable. Oh, there is a weird one on uh on Etsy. Yeah, I don't like the one on Etsy. I don't like the homemade one. I do like this uh I love this guy. I want to see if I can get my hands on one of these guys. <laughs> That's really great. Yeah, I like this. Does look like Appa, though. Okay. It does. It does. <laughs> to a point where they should probably be glad Nickelodeon didn't call. <laughs> Yo, I honestly, that's probably why he looked like such shit in that live action movie. Oh, wait, no, that doesn't make any sense. That movie came out like five years before this one. <laughs> uh, it doesn't track. Um, Damn. What were we saying? Yo, I can get one of these for 20 bucks. Tinkerbell is... <laughs> I'm, tr- I'm trying to keep going. He's doing- trying to, yeah, we got a show to do. <laughs> so, Tinkerbell is hospitalized, unconscious, mm-hmm. in a coma. And this Dr. Fairy, who I don't think we've seen before. I don't think so. She might have been in the other one, but I don't know. She, the, she the looks like she one. walked off the set of Recess. Like, her nose is so big. <laughs> and it's weird. It, every variation... Every variation for the fairies is weird because mostly the background fairies look exactly the same. So and so anytime a new like fairy model is introduced, they're like, okay, well, why'd you put effort into this one? I she she shakes her head and at first I think, oh, she's dead. Uh I told you, Tinkerbell died. This is this is the last Disney fairy movie for a reason. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But then she's like, no, she's fine. She just needs to rest and not fly for a, a couple days. Mm-hmm. Wow, which she immediately she immediately flies off, which is very Tinkerbell, actually. I know, right? She's like, I bet she, she has like no consideration for her own health and safety. So Fawn leaves to go um, betray the Never Beast. Betray him, like you need to do in these kinds of movies. Mm-hmm. And because the Never Beast, and see, what bothered me about this scene is that okay, the Never Beast hurt Tinkerbell, and like shh. But I feel like you have to forgive an amount of just an animal being an animal. Even if it's not necessarily a dangerous animal. Do you know how many kitten scratches I have? The, <laughs> the, 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 and this is, this is a thing that you hear from park rangers all the time, right? Like 90% of the time, bison and elk, like big uh, herbivores like that, are harmless. And I'll throw horses in there too. 90% of the time, they're harmless. But you're talking about a one to two ton creature. If that thing moves a little bit too fast in a way you don't expect, you're going to get hurt. Yeah, if you just get swatted or bumped by one of these things, you're going to be on the ground, maybe with like a broken bone. And that thing is, I don't know how big the Never Beast is, because it's hard to tell. 
but it's, scale with fairies is tough. Right. It's at least bison-sized, right? I think it's probably a little bit smaller, actually, just because she is about the size of his, what, nose? Yeah. Tough to say, but assuming a fairy is, gosh, if they're hand-sized, they're maybe four to six inches tall. But they were bigger than that in the other one with the humans. Oh, God, yeah, that's right. It's, 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 hard to, it's hard to figure it out. But if we assume they are, it is a round bison size, maybe a little smaller. I mean, that's still, what, like a hundred Tinkerbells? Maybe yeah, 200? Yeah, that's a, that's a massive... Like, it's just like, it's so... It's, it's so much bigger. There's going to be accidents. It's going to do some damage. And maybe there's something to be said about, like, this This is clearly like an intelligent creature, it understands everything's font says, at least. Yeah, but it's still like an animal. It's not like it can't talk. Mm-hmm. So it's I assume it can't be more intelligent than cheese. Oh, cheese the mouse. Yeah, cheese the mouse, who we do see in this movie. Who I forgot about. I was sitting here like, who the more fuck? intelligent <laughs> than cheese. <laughs> yeah, those fungal cultures, man, that, that make cheese happen, they think. But Fawn decides that he needs to be betrayed. So she betrays him. And I am so mad at this net for working. The thing about this net, right? Mm -hmm. Is that they had another smaller net that they were carrying around before. It was so small. And they're flying around with it. And it's in my notes. What do they expect to do with this net? With this net? (laughs) And then when they throw this at the net, it's so much bigger. It just covers the entirety of the Neverpiece. And even though it's this massive animal, it's apparently weighed down enough that they, they just can't move. And it made me so mad. Like, where did they get this one? This, to me, to me, the Never Beast not fighting back is me going, oh, shit, this is like a, this is a Mighty Joe Young situation. I don't know if you've ever seen this terrible movie. I don't think so. But, like, this is him not fighting back, <laughs> Right. Like, he, if he wanted to, he would have destroyed them. The Scout Fairies would have been reduced to rubble. They would have been eliminated from fairy mm-hmm. politics in this one <laughs> moment. Uh, but instead, he's like, well, I can't hurt these creatures. I am here to protect them. So I just have to not do anything. I just have to let them pepper spray me. And it's depressing. Yeah, they hit him with uh, that sleeping powder made from poppies that, uh, that what's-her-face Doc Ock made. Oh, she's deep in the Scout Fairies now. Yeah, it must be, right? Ah, good job. Now she's working with cops. So yep. glad we got her back in society. <laughs> in society. The Never Beast is taken off. Nyx tells Fawn that she did the right thing. And I was, I really wanted Fawn to like slap her. I was like, there is no way she cares what you think is the right thing. My, uh, so I was watching. I was watching this movie uh, with my partner who was sitting next to me. And before she said that, she like walks up to her, and I was like, "You did the right thing." And then she said it. <laughs> and my partner started laughing. I was so furious. I was like, "You don't have the right to tell this to her." No, right. <laughs> so she's sitting there fucking bawling in like a in like a little ball. The, the storm is getting worse because these geniuses only had one page of illustration to work off of. Yeah, I assume there was like an entire book. Right. Uh, and all that was left after 900 years was this page. And the hospital is being evacuated. Makes sense. I mean, it makes a certain amount of sense. But frankly, there's got to be one hospital in the whole of Fairy Hollow. 
it should be secure already. It should it should be in the safest place. No, absolutely. But like I, this is a thing that that you I, I've heard about in like you know like especially during hurricane season where hospitals have to move patients from their rooms into the hallways. Oh sure. I, I don't think that that's what this is, but. Oh, I don't know. They're all go. They all have to go like underground. I don't know if the hospital's like too airy. Yeah, the, the hospital looks like it's underground though. Like there's dirt floor. So Tinkerbell goes to find Fawn because now she's up enough. Uh, yeah, because bed rest is for uh, cowards. Bed rest is for cowards. You heard it here first. Get your COVID vaccine. We get the worst flashback I think any of these movies have ever had. The flashback is hilarious. Just before we get to it, I do want to mention about the storm, though. This is actually a pretty chill storm. There's some lightning. Mostly because of the Never Beast, it is being collected in these towers. But there's no wind or rain. It seems kind of fine. I don't understand why they didn't put rain. I know they can do rain. It was the best bit of that one movie. Yeah, maybe maybe they just, uh, I don't know, maybe they just kind of didn't have the, the budget for it. Rain is expensive. Maybe it would have made it to, like, um, low res almost, right? Oh, I see. I see what you mean. To, like, have it on, on the screen, especially because when you're zoomed in on the one fairy, it works. But maybe if you zoom out to the Never Beast, the, the like, CGI wouldn't work as well. Yeah, they don't they don't have the physics to handle, like, that much water on that much fur, I bet. Yeah, may, heck, maybe that's just it. Maybe they didn't want to do wet Never Beast. Maybe that would have been too hard. Oh, I can absolutely see it being, we can't do a wet Never Beast. <laughs> Like, you're ready for the big rain scene? And the animators just turn around with horrified looks on their faces. The, the, the what? <laughs> so, yes, you want to describe this flashback scene because it's great. Tinkerbell shows up to Fawn is like, Fawn, what have you done? And she's like, I had to turn him in. He was too dangerous to be left alone. And she was like, she, he hurt you. To which Tinkerbell says, no, Fawn, he saved my life. Flashback, 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 flashback. And we see that what actually happened was Tinkerbell went to confront the Never Beast. He turned around, lightning struck the tree like two feet to the left of her, and she missed it somehow. And the Never Beast was like, all right, time to save a fairy's life. So he turns around and like 100 mile an hour slaps his tail into her, (laughs) knocking her out of the way of this tree. Thank God it didn't land on her. And to it, and then she falls unconscious from the internal trauma, I assume, of being hit by this tail. Yes, we mentioned this before. We we, we talked about this because the scene is great. It's absurd. The scene kind of makes the movie for me for like how much they like fucked up this scene. It's great. The Never Beast could have stopped the tree from falling on Tinkerbell by stopping the tree. The Never Beast did not need to hit her with the amount of force he hit her with. And Fun should have seen the fallen tree. There should have been ample evidence. There should have been a giant smoking tree, like, right next to Tinkerbell. And there just wasn't in that scene. Oh, it was great. Because, well, they had to hold it for the twist. You can't just give it all away. It's just, it's so, it's so absurd. There doesn't need to be a twist. It could could have just been, it could have even just been, he didn't do anything. Like, a fucking, like, the lightning struck near me and it, like, 
it, like a tree exploded and it launched me like 50 feet away. A thing that actually happens to people. Right. Like, and if you want the never beast to still save her, he could freaking get in the way of the fallen tree or something. Yeah, like maybe maybe the tree starts falling and like he catches it, but oh, it's not enough, and like some of it hits her. Something, right? Just there are a lot of ways that this could have been done. While Tinkerbell is explaining this to Fawn, Nix is yelling at the Never Beast. This beast is drugged out of its mind, and she's like, "Stop the star!" Yeah, like like a mayor shooting bullets into a hurricane. I order <laughs> you to stop this now. <laughs> like. Um, but then she sees off in the distance that these spires are collecting the lightning and she gets a glimmer in her eye and she's like, I know what I must do. And she leaves. And at one point, I think one of the um, one of the other scout fairies is like, hey, the storm is getting worse. And she's like, we follow the plan. We have to stick to the plan. And the scout fairy says, well, you should tell the storm that, which yes, I think is does, great. She says, like, does the storm know the plan? This is when I put in my notes. Turns out animals don't cause storms. We're all mm-hmm. surprised. Who would have known? <laughs> the thing about this movie is it makes me so mad at, at Nyx and the other scout fairies that it kind of it kind of heals over the like weird anti-science thing that sometimes the fairy movies get. Because it's like, this if is... they had just investigated, if they just listened to science. If they had just listened to their one animal specialist, right? Like, right. this is peak Jurassic Park, except the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> life, uh, it's fine. It's fine. Everything's it's fine. Good. It turns out life is okay. God, I am, I am baffled that Jeff Goldblum wasn't in any of these movies. <laughs> he could have been a good, weird, tall fairy. Oh, right. Like a gangly, like, he would have been one of those MCs. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, Nick's in this film, voiced by uh, Rosario Dawson, been in a ton of stuff. I can't even begin to tell you. Like, she's got a, one of the most extensive IMDb's I have ever seen in television. Um, but also, we have uh, Jennifer Goodwin as Fawn, I believe, replacing the previous voice actress. Uh, Jennifer Goodwin, who we might all remember as uh, Judy Hopps in Zootopia. Uh, Fawn's deduced it. She's figured it out. He's not here to destroy Pixie Hollow. He's here to protect it. Real binary situation, by the way. <laughs> he can't just be here as well. <laughs> he's not here to destroy Pixie Hollow. He's just an animal. He's an animal doing doing a thing an animal does, and it happens to help us. It'd be great if she released him to like save Pixie Hollow and he just pooped. Just wandered off. I gotta go build more towers. <laughs> yes. Alright. She tells Tinkerbell to go hide, and at this point, I wrote in my notes, "I hope Fawn dies," um, <laughs> because I ha- because I have this movie like down to the T. You know everything that's going to happen. We we get another great line actually here because I think all of her friends show up at this point. All of her friends, yes. So a couple of them show up, and she says we have to free Gruff, and the others show up to like get the net off of them. Is what happens. And they all try to protect, try to get Gruff into, like, a, ho- uh, a hollow. And he's like, nah, I've got to save the world. Fawn decides to go with him because he's blind. He can't see because of the, the the poppy stuff. Yeah. Sleep. Real gross side effects of their uh, sleep powder, huh? <laughs> yeah. Seems, seems, like, seems like they shouldn't be using it. No, it really seems like they shouldn't. I, I don't know, right? If, like, I don't know, if, like... If, like, somebody released, like, a jungle cat onto Neverland, right? Like, there was just, like, a fucking... Whatever the tiger's name from Jungle Book running around. Shere Khan? 
yeah, if there was a sheer con running around Neverland, I can like I can almost justify the need to have like scout fairies, but there aren't any. But there aren't, and here's here's the thing that bothers me about scout fairies is they don't seem to be keeping. They don't do anything in the day to day. They seem to only be there for when there's like a crazy, terrible threat. But here's the thing: I know they don't solve crazy, terrible threats because that's what Tinkerbell does. Because she's been doing it for the last five movies. Right. I sure didn't see those scout fairies standing guard <laughs> with the winter guard fairies. Against the winter. I didn't even see them passing out blankets. There is an amazing moment here when Fawn has, she, she's resolved herself. I'm going to go save the world. Me and Gruff are going to go save the world. And then she stops and goes, that said, if things don't roll my way, Sill, you can have my rock collection. And it is an amazing line. One of the funniest jokes in the movie. It's an amazing line because Silver Mist looks really happy and then immediately really sad. Yeah. But She's also, like, oh. nobody, <laughs> nobody else gets anything. <laughs> And, and I guess everyone else can fight over the rest of my inheritance. <laughs> just make sure Silverman gets the rocks. Gets the rock collection, yeah. And so the Nerve Beast is like flying through the these pillars, getting struck by lightning, which is going to stop the storm somehow. Unclear if the lightning is making him stronger? I, I Maybe? It's, it is unclear. It feels like a give and take. He, he, he couldn't fly before he got hit by lightning again. And then he got his wings, so like, or is it just like a natural reaction that his body has to like danger? Yeah, yeah. Un, it's hard to tell, but he he seems to both be getting stronger and weaker every time he gets struck by lightning. It's like not fun, but it's it's like a good burn. It's like it's, a, it's a hit that he needs. It's the high that he chases. But then, oh no, at the last <laughs> tower. This fairy cop is so bad at her job. She could not be worse at her job. Every single moment where she has a chance to be okay at her job, she's just bad at it. I legit thought that maybe she was going to show up and like, I don't know, f- f- shoot a gun at this beast, right? Like something, anything would have been better than what she actually does. Which is to destroy the tower. <laughs> Without the tower, this lightning gets to strike all willy-nilly. Right, This is, the lightning no longer has a, has a center. It's just shooting everywhere. And so Fawn realizes there's only one thing to do. They have to fly into like the eye of the storm, where the Never Beast can get hit by lightning a bunch of times and absorb it all. So that they can catch the lightning closer to the source. Because she notices that the lightning is only coming from the center, which is ridiculous, but sure. It's a magic storm, whatever. A lot of Pixie Hollow is on fire now. This is not directly dealt with. It feels like um, Nyx is terrible at her job. She looks around at like this forest fire that she has caused and is like, am I a bad guy? (laughs) Wait a second. Am I the bad guy? Am I the bad guy? Guys, guys, wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Am I the bad guy? Yes. Damn. This would have been a great moment for Fawn to like. I would have loved it if Fawn slapped her and been like, you got to snap out of it and do go do your job. Go protect people. Instead, she just tells her, there's nothing about it now. Go hide. Yeah. Be sad about it later. And then Fawn fucking died. Yeah, they saved the world. She flies into the sky. There's a bunch of lightning. The Never Beast absorbs enough lightning that the clouds explode, which, okay. Maybe that's 
what's supposed to happen after he collects all the lightning he can like aoe like release kind of like uh uh black panther right yeah sure just release all that all that built up energy and dissipate the storm maybe it's possible that that is what is supposed to happen or maybe it just reacted that way because he'd never been like in the air when he did it before either way that's true there's a big explosion He's not looking so hot as he falls out of the sky. Again, pretty Hellboy because now those are just broke. Oh, the wind. Yeah, the and the wings are gnarled to shit, too. It looks gross. It looks bad. And Fawn is falling out of the sky. They are caught by, you know, the fairies. But Fawn is dead. dead. Like, she's dead. She is stone cold. Like, this doctor comes oh, over doctor and is like. comes over. And she's like, there's nothing we can do. Fairy medical science has not progressed to the point where we can do anything about dead people. Just like human medical science. I mean, we can do something about people who are dead a little bit, who are mostly dead. Oh, she's dead, Tony. Yeah, you're right. Roll credits. <laughs> you get the feeling that maybe they meant to do this to Tinkerbell, but they couldn't quite get away with it. And so <laughs> to, just, to just end the movie here, though, bold, right? Like, never seen this. And then they closed down Disney Tune for some reason. And then they, yeah, I know, right? Like they were like, we're, we can't we can't let them get away with this again. Um, uh, no, so the Never Beast has its vision back and like sadly approaches Fawn and the residual static electricity seems to jolt her back to life. Mm-hmm. Which is not really how that works. But it makes as much sense as a tear. Yeah, it makes more sense than a tear, mm. I would argue. Like, Wiggling my hand up and down, but yeah, kind of, maybe. Because here's the thing, Tony, right? Is a little salt isn't going to do anything for anybody. <laughs> but electricity might actually do something. Okay, who has actually revived somebody with a tear, out of curiosity? I Besides I Rapunzel, done. who it worked for. Like I which buy is magic. That. Which she's magic. Yeah, that's she's magic. It's it's got to be a trope, right? It's definitely a. Tro- you know what? I'm going. I'm going. Uh, Swiss Army Tears. Swiss Army Tears. This looks like it's the one. TV tropes kind of like the worst website to go for this shit, but like it's also the only so website. Many of them. It's also the only one. I'm only gonna look at Western animation. Disney likes this trope. Okay, Belle does it. No, that doesn't count because it's her declaration of love that breaks the spell. That's true. It happened in Lilo and Stitch 2. Stitch has a glitch and it was a crime. Uh, It happens in Brave, but I think that's just also her saying she loves her mom and not actually the tear. Uh, And in Frozen, I don't think that that's... That that doesn't count in Frozen. Come on, give me something No, I I actually think this does count because... No, because the act of true love is... She cries... After she's frozen. The act of true love prevented her from dying. So it it feels like the that this is the that that Rapunzel is the only time that Disney at least has done this. Because every other time it was actually true love. Interesting. Although in Bambi 2, the great prince sheds a manly tear for his injured son. Who is quickly that doesn't count. He was fine. <laughs> I think the one that people actually remember is probably Beauty and the Beast. I just don't think it counts. That's, I mean, it's fine if you don't think it counts. 
I think it's, I think it might genuinely be where we get it, though. Like, like not, I mean, it's done in other places. That's pretty late in Disney canon, though, right? That's like 1994. It doesn't even have listed stuff earlier. <laughs> we have 50 years of Disney history in which they didn't do that. They did it once and they got made fun of it forever. Yeah, it might just be, it might just be from Beauty and the Beast. I find it both baffling and it also makes total sense to me right. that they did it once and then it just I think almost like like a, like mimetically just people associated it with Disney. Yeah, and it just got everywhere else. But to the point where they had to make fun of it themselves, right? Like in Rapunzel, but like they had only ever done it the one other time. And that wasn't even the point. Wow. That's kind of great. We've solved like a mystery that no one ever had. <laughs> Sherlock Holmes could never uh, what the heck were we talking about? Oh yeah, the, she's, the, she's alive. She's she's alive, and there's this this little scene after this where the Never Beast is helping to put rebuild town back together, rebuild. Yeah, and he gets sleepy, and Fawn, you know, despite everything, is good at her job. Recognizes that this is him going into hibernation, and then we get it's not like viscerally like cry sad. But we get a very sad. This is a this is a funeral, right? Like it's a funeral. This would be an amazing Star Trek episode. But like, if I had to say goodnight to a being that slept for nine hundred years, we're essentially saying goodbye forever, right? Because I'm gonna die. So as far as I'm concerned, this person is dying and right. dead, and we're never gonna interact again after this moment. I it struck me as very sad. That the Never Beast would never see Fawn again after they yeah. like after they went to the she went to the trouble like melting his heart basically and building up this trust and saving everybody and now this is just it giving him a reason to do the thing he's been doing for who knows how many thousands of years mm-hmm. right outside of just well this is what I have to do this is a this is almost a chthonic being who has I assume existed in a state of like endless Sisyphean just building this tower, dissipating the storm and going back to sleep without thanks until now? Because what has everybody done about it? They've just been probably scared about the storm and then it passed like every other storm. Well, and then, but then they blamed him too. They yeah. thought he was up to it. He has formed this relationship and it is gone now. Uh, and so they have this, they have this funeral where they like walk him back to the, his little hole. They have each given like a little gift to him. They give him a cloud pillow and uh-huh. other lesser gifts. And other lesser gifts. There's a fountain, which I did think was was nice because like you're going to want to drink after a nap like that. Oh, absolutely. I can't imagine how deep. Like I, I will go to sleep for four hours and I'm like, oh, God, I need some water. Fucking Nick says she has he has her respect. It's like, get the fuck away. out of get here. Get out of here. <laughs> And then Fawn says goodbye, and he falls asleep, and that's literally the end of the movie. Cut to credits. It is amazing. It's not the kind of ending that is, like, deeply visceral and, like, makes me sob. It's, but it's, like... The restraint. I, like, can't stop thinking about it. Like, it's a real thinker of a sad ending. And that's kind of amazing. No, it's, it's amazing. It is, I have never, I have never... In 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 the entirety that like I have seen a movie that has an ending like this, right, where where somebody has to go away forever, right? 
mm-hmm. seen this amount of restraint. We're just we're ending it here. We're ending it at goodbye. We don't get a montage of where are they now. We don't get like uh, I, this is a thing that anime does a lot, where it'll just cut to them waking up like a thousand years later, mm. right? Or whatever. Like we don't get any of that. It's just it's over, and you have to accept that it's over. So I think the part of it that hits me the hardest, right, is without maybe and maybe they did know, right? But ending this movie on goodbye is also you know goodbye to to, to Disney Tunes. It's goodbye to Disney to, Tunes. Goodbye to the series. Goodbye to this type of direct to video movie. Yeah, this is a good movie. The fact that there's never a Disney Tune again kind of blows. It's yeah. This this studio doesn't exist anymore. You know, and like this. To be fair, I, I, this, this happened at a time when Disney was rapidly downsizing its animation departments in multiple fronts. Um, I know a lot of animators in Disney Animation Canada also lost their jobs around this time. So yeah, it, it sucks. Um, especially because this movie is the prettiest that they've done too. Yeah, it looks good. It's gorgeous. I love the design of the Never Beast. The backgrounds are great. The character design isn't terrible. I, I I always have hesitate to give these movies enough credit on character design. It's yeah, it's it's they <laughs> they're stuck it's, with this sort of like pinchy face, but really big cheeks, and I'm not sure how I feel about it. And everybody has the same body type except for like the queen, and she's just tall. Well, Fairy Mary, who we haven't seen, and also Barry Gary, who we haven't seen in a while. <laughs> um. Yes, the the joke characters get to have different body types, and that's kind of another problem. Yeah, but but it's nice to see them walking around. This is, I think, also the definitely the most like all of the background fairies look the same. Like mm-hmm. we don't even get like a Terrence to look at or a winter fairy at all. But I liked it. I liked it a lot. It what a great ending. What a high. The ending was so strong that I feel like even though I quite liked the movie while watching it, like I never had anything I hated about it. It made it really good in my head. Like, it made the whole movie really good. Even if sometimes I was just sitting there like, eh, this is fine. You, A good ending could do that, you know? No, yeah, for sure. It's it's a thing. I've lamented this before. Things don't really know how to end anymore. It's nice to that there was such conclusivity. Especially because it was the last movie. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Direct Video VHS. VHS? I have been your host, Tony Robusto. I have been your host, Andy Reyes. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at TheaterBats. And you can find my comic at InspiredByTrueEvents.org. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at Royalty underscore Valens. And you can also find me at my other podcast that I do called Time Honored Pictures at TimeHonoredPictures.com. I am in the middle of editing the next episode. Uh, so that should be out. Oh, it's going to be out today or tomorrow. The most entertaining thing to me about your last episode was that you forgot to plug this episode and Mavis had to tell you to do it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, not this episode, this podcast. It was great. I found that so funny. And I was like, I'm the only one who thinks it's funny. (laughs) No, yeah, it was a very just like, oh, gosh, yeah, I was not. I was not in the headspace to like (laughs) self-promote. Self-promote, yeah. Uh, speaking of which, you can find more direct-to-video stuff at direct2.video. There is a cutscene on there now. A, a cut ag- argument where we talk about Doc Ock for <laughs> mm, 10 minutes? 
It was so long. It was so long. Let me see here. Let me just pull up direct to dot video and see how long that video is. I feel like it felt like it was 30 minutes, I think, in recording. Oh, only five. I must have cut some stuff out. I was going to say, I feel like it was a lot longer than that. And that was before uh, we got to confirm, I think, that Alf- the esteemed Alfred Molina is coming back for whatever the fuck this next Spider-Man movie is going to be. <laughs> uh, thanks, as always, to the esteemed Lee Rosa here uh, for the song Planet E off the album Trappist One. Yep. Next week we are going... Next time. Next, next- week? Whoa! Oh! My heart. <laughs> next time we're going to watch Return... The Return of Jafar, a movie Ooh. which I am fairly sure has almost nothing to recommend it. I am so excited. I am the ghost of John Smith. Huh. She's Snow White in Once Upon a Time. Oh, is she? I didn't know that. Because again, I have never seen it. I, did I click on the wrong person? Jennifer Goodwin? Jennifer Goodwin as fun. Once Upon a Time is her like fifth thing down here. Under between steps and Zootopia. Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, it's between steps and Zootopia. My bad. I completely missed it. Yeah, I was really confused about that because she's like one of the main characters. It's like, what do you mean? I I wouldn't know. Well, the story is is about Snow White. She's one of the main characters. I think the lady from House is the main character, right? Is she the evil queen? She's the well. She's I was going to say well. She's the doctor in House, and I was like, that's not what he's asking. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know which lady in house either. Do you mean house's boss? No, 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 no. She's she's one of his lead underlings. Every time I look at Once Upon a Time, she's she's like in every fucking like trailer that I've ever seen. She plays Emma Swan. Yeah, Jennifer Jennifer Morrison. Yeah, she's got her Emma Swan hair on her IMDb picture. That must be yeah. That's her IMDb picture is from a Once Upon a Time shoot. You can see it on behind her. She's like the audience's way in, like the person who shows up to this weird place and is like, something's wrong here. That is a beautiful haircut, actually. Yeah, wow. Yeah, How it's do a, they do that? It's a freaking That's bananas. Haircut, right? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, is it's it bananas. Like, do you think it's just like fake? Like extensions? Yeah, there was a bit where somebody asked Jamala Aljamil, somebody asked her oh, how she gets her place? hair- yeah, to look so good on the good place. And so she did a video where she like took off the extensions. It was like this is it's all bullshit. <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's all bullshit. And she's she's very she's very like it's all bullshit. It's all it's all Photoshop. It's all like And yeah, what she likes to do is she likes to like be honest about like women's beauty specifically, which is great. It's fake for TV. It's okay that your hair doesn't look like this because it's not real. I am scrolling through all of these photos of Once Upon a Time, and it is wild to me. She is wearing normal clothes, and everyone else seems to be wearing, like, all leather everything. I don't know what's happening with all these. There is a lot of pictures that seem to be from one shoot where everybody else is wearing all leather everything, and she's wearing normal clothes and making out with Hook. She's holding his hook, which I think is a little insensitive. He has a hand. Walk on the other side of him. Oh, here's her uh, with a sword. I don't know why I'm watching, why I'm looking at these now. It's your fault. Yeah, at some point we were talking about a Tinkerbell movie. I don't know how we got this far. Um, <laughs> I have to cut all this out. This will be probably <laughs> at the end. People will be like, why are they looking at all this stuff? And cut. Yeah, she, do- she does get a sword. 
Okay, I'm I'm gone. I'm gone. I'm gone. I've closed it. <laughs>